This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Welcome to a Men in Blazers US National Team pod special. Our guest is one of my favourite soccer players in America. Oh, a tenacious midfield pugilist who, despite being a leader of men, has received just five caps for the USA during his 12-year career. But that is all. Please, God, about to change. We welcome to the pod, ahead of Friday night's epic battle against Jamaica, 7pm on FS1. That's you, Rob Stone, from Winter Park, Florida, by way of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. A man who is always making America ginger again. The one and only, Mr. Dax McCarthy. Raj, that's quite the introduction, but I think you made a mistake. Go on. You said one of your favorite midfielders in America. Didn't you mean the world? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I know it's not anymore the trend to admit when you're wrong, but I will admit that I've just made an egregious mistake because you are living a whirlwind life, Dax McCarthy. Within three days this January, you got married, you returned to U.S. international duty after years in exile, and you got traded, surprise traded, to Chicago. Is it possible to live too much life, Dax? If it is possible, I'm definitely doing it. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Crazy, crazy couple of weeks. I don't know if one man should be able to handle all this life. <laughs> Your whole identity's changed since I last spoke to you. You being a ginger is really the only constant. You are still ginger, right? I am still ginger, although being out in L.A., I am a little bit more strawberry blonde these days. So hopefully being in Chattanooga, it's a little dreary. I'll get my red color back. Please, God, we need something to cling on to. Your (laughs) wedding, first of all. I've spent a lot of time mining the gossip rags. I saw your photos on the knot.com, the wedding in your hometown of Winter Park. Semi-formal affair appeared to revolve around a rather large sandcastle. What role, if any... (laughs) Did football play in the event? I heard you had quite a morning of the wedding five-a-side game, you brave man. That was my big preparation for January camp. I had a bunch of my buddies come out, a lot of former MLS guys, some current MLS guys, and a couple of old college buddies. And it was more like eight-a-side, actually. We enjoyed a little bit of eight-a-side, a couple of mimosas. I'd love it. Mimosas and football, it sounds very Frankie Hadrick. Frankie would probably not go for mimosas. He'd probably just go for beer. <laughs> You're now in U.S. men's national team January camp. Let's just say that is an atypical choice in terms of places to have a honeymoon, Dax. Would you recommend it from a romance (laughs) perspective? I'm on a honeymoon with 40 other guys. It's not my ideal scenario. (laughs) Who's your lucky roommate, Dax? My roommate is Luis Robles. Unfortunately, he's married with three kids, so he's not too much fun. (laughs) That is a honeymoon that many of us dream of with Lewis Robles in your loving arms. But as a U.S. international, you've won five caps, all of them under the great Bob Bradley. You then became, let's just say, like MLS's Daenerys Targaryen, living an international (laughs) exile. You were called in once by Jürgen, 2014 January camp. You never got on the field. So it's been six long years since your last cap. I mean, you do so much dirty work on the field, making those around you look better, you're a grinder, you're a destroyer, you're a linker, all hard to appreciate. 
Did it get to a point where you stopped holding your breath when the rosters came out? It got to a point where I started to not worry about it too much. I knew that it was a long shot, honestly, for me being called in. And I knew that Jurgen had his preferences for different players, guys playing in Europe. I think the best way to describe it is I wanted to focus on my club team. My former teammate, Sasha Kleschen, and I, we talked about it all the time. We felt like if we continued to play well with the Red Bulls and continue to prove that we were one of the better teams in the league constantly, that we would always have that sliver of hope. I think a lot of players that felt cast off, like you said, a little bit like Daenerys Targaryen, they got the second lease on life, a new breath of fresh air with a new coach coming in, a new set of eyes, and a guy who actually appreciates MLS quite a bit. So, yeah, it was frustrating. There's no way that I can beat around the bush and say that I was content constantly not getting called in. But I'm still a young pup. My dad always told me that, you know, he didn't hit his athletic prime until he was 31. So I got two more years until I hit my athletic prime if I follow in his footsteps. So I'm looking forward to it. Your father was a Navy fighter pilot, so he knows... Top gun. He was the top gun. It's not for me to challenge what he says, but you are 29 now, Dax. You're 30 in April. True. Was there actually a time when you considered your international career was over, just done? Never. You might laugh at that, but there was never a moment that I considered my international career being over, not for one second. Maybe I turned a little cynical towards the national team, and whenever rosters were coming out, I would check my email, half hoping that I'd be on the preliminary roster, but kind of expecting not to be there. And <sighs> It got frustrating. It got difficult, but I never gave up hope. I really didn't. Crazy things happen in football and soccer all the time. I always thought that there was a chance. As long as you, Kyle, Beckermund it. I mean, here's the story that I linked to from the last cycle uh, that reminds For me. Sure. Uh, of your own but November the 21st let me take you back like the George Michael sports machine to a day when Jurgen Klinsmann was let go by US soccer where were you when you heard the news and honestly honestly Dax how did it make you feel I remember it like it was yesterday I was in New York City I was at a dinner with my agent and Darlington Nagby and Ashlyn Harris just uh, a whole just a whole group yeah, just coincidentally, Darlington was in New York for the day before he headed over to go watch Celtic play during that whole saga. But we all found out at the same time. And honestly, my first reaction was shock. I couldn't believe it. And then once the news sinks in after a couple of days that he is actually gone, you get a little bit of renewed optimism because the truth is, under Jurgen, some guys weren't getting very many opportunities, myself being one of them. You just start wondering... Maybe with a fresh set of eyes in there, you'll start to get more of an opportunity. A new opportunity. Bruce Arena, Bruce Arena II, selects you for his January camp. How do you hear about your recall? Who reached out to you? And how? By phone? By text? By Raven? I was at my apartment in New York City, and I was speaking with my fiancé at the time. She was going to a dress fitting in New York City to try on her wedding dress. And she was a little stressed out because the dress didn't fit the way that she had hoped it would. And so I was trying to calm her down when I got a phone call, a number I didn't recognize, and I answered it, and it happened to be Bruce. I was very excited. I was quite shocked. I spoke to Bruce for a good 10 minutes, and he just said how he would love to have me in for January camp, but he had heard that I was getting married around that time. And he was unbelievably understanding. He let me miss the first four or five days of camp, which was very nice of him. He said, come in. He's like, if you're lucky, you'll only get married one time. 
thought you should enjoy it. What did US Soccer send you off your wedding present registry? <laughs> oh, you'll have to ask my wife. You might want to write Sunil's thank you letter yourself. I mean, you once described the frustration of your time out of the side thusly. You said, once you've gotten a few caps and represented your country, you know there's no better feeling in the world than to put on that crest. It's something you want to feel over and over and over again. So how did it feel to put the US training jersey on once again, especially as the son of a Navy fighter pilot, a Top Gun, at this tumultuous time in our nation's kind of current reality? It was an amazing feeling. As soon as I got back into camp, you get this just rush of pride. And every time you put on the training jersey, every time you put on the national team jersey, every time you step onto the field, knowing that you're representing this country and you know that you're representing a nation that's going through a very difficult time right now. I'll never take that for granted, especially being a guy that has been in and out of the national team in recent years. I've never really gotten a consistent run of call-ups and run of games with the national team. And every time you get called in, you feel like a little kid on Christmas. You never know what the coach is thinking. If he wants to start you in a couple of games, if he just wants you to be a good leader, if he wants you to be a good locker room presence, there are so many variables that go into representing your country. I think the one variable that will never change for me is when you do get called up, that sense of pride that takes over you and the desire to go out and represent your country and represent your family in a very positive way by not only winning soccer games, but representing yourself as an American in the right way. That for me will never change. And so I always wear the crest with a lot of pride. International squads. I mean, they're normally a clash between much cap veterans and younger challengers, pretenders. You're a 29-year-old challenger who knows he doesn't have, let's just say, you don't have a lot of sands of time to prove yourself and really upset the depth chart. How do you play it when you arrive? Are you polite and you're honoured to be there back in the squad? Or do you have to go all out and just assert yourself with an instant swagger? I think it's a balance. I still feel like I'm getting better as a player, certainly. But I'm not a 20-year-old who's got this massive level of potential that I haven't reached yet. For the most part, I am who I am. I will have great games and I'll have not-so-great games, but for the most part, I'm pretty consistent in the way I go about my business. And So I think that when I do get called into the national team, it has to be a balance. I have to balance out being humble, knowing that I'm not a regular with the national team and kind of deferring a little bit to the guys that have been here a little bit longer, but I also have to assert myself. I also have to go out on the field, do the things that make me good as a player, which is try to be a good leader, try to do the dirty work that makes other guys look good, make sure the team is good defensively. The way I'll describe it is being a humble leader. I can learn from guys like Michael. I can learn from guys like Josie. Even though Josie's younger than me, he's been in the national team for a long time now. And so I try to come in with a lot of humility, but also I try to assert myself because you don't know when these opportunities are going to come around again. So let me ask you this, Dax. When Michael Bradley gets the ball in training and he looks up, are you just, have you made it a goal for yourself that you are just going to be in at his feet and trying to level him? If we're on opposing teams, absolutely. If I'm on his team, I'm going to give him some space to do his damage. I don't think I'm a guy that tackles players on my own team. So as long as he's <laughs> on the opposing team, I'm going to make sure that he knows I'm there. And that goes for anyone. That's a goal you've set. You know that if he's on the other team in training, you are going to be the first one in. Absolutely. And it's not just Michael. It's Josie. It's Clint Dempsey was here. If Landon Donovan was still playing, 
I think that as a player, you have to show respect to the veteran guys and the guys that have done it at the highest level for a long time, but you can't show them too much respect. I think those guys would appreciate it even more if not just myself, but younger guys made it hard on them because if training sessions for the U.S. team are hard and difficult and competitive, that's going to translate into games. If Michael and I are on different teams and we're playing against each other, he's going to make sure that he puts a tackle in on me and I'm going to make sure I put a tackle in on him. And we're going to try to make each other better. Oh, a bald and a ginger, that's footballing equivalent of a cobra and a mongoose. <laughs> you are a competitive man. I mean, last Sunday, opening game, US draw a blank against Serbia. What's the difference in the level of frustration that you experience between watching the US on your television at home when you're not in the squad and having to watch an entire 90 minutes from the bench when you're so near yet so far Sure, you're frustrated. No player is going to sit there and tell you they're satisfied with being a cheerleader on the bench. No competitive player is ever going to be happy with that. Every player will tell you that they need to have the confidence in themselves that if they were on the field, they think they could go in and change the game and make a difference in the game. I certainly believe that for myself. I think that every time I'm on the bench for a game, whether the game is going well or whether the game is not going well, you always want to believe that you can go into the game and make a difference. And so... Yeah, I was ready to go in and play if my number was called, but that wasn't the case. At the end of the day, you respect the coach and you respect his decisions. And so the guys that were on the field, I wanted them to do well. I wanted them to score. When Chris Pontius, one of my good friends, got that chance at the end of the game to put us up 1-0, I was almost willing the ball into the net from the bench. You really want that winning feeling of being a part of performance that wins games for your country. But as a player who didn't get an opportunity to play in that Serbia game, I just look forward to this Jamaica game and hope that I'll get a chance to step on the field and make a difference. Jamaica. You know Honduras game is on the horizon. Jermaine Jones is going to be suspended for that one. Do you feel like you're going to get a look, Dax? What do you tell yourself? You have to think that. And I think it's been really positive feedback so far in this camp. I think that every player has come in and proven that they deserve to be on the field in one way or another. So... I think Bruce is a really good man-manager. You know that you're always going to get a chance under Bruce. So whether I start the game against Jamaica, whether I come in off the bench, I do think I'll get an opportunity to play. It's up to me to try to prove that I deserve to be out on the field and I deserve to be around for the qualifiers. I think every player here thinks that they can help the U.S. team in one way or another try to qualify for the World Cup. I don't think anyone's happy with the position that we're in right now, having lost the first two games, being at the bottom of the qualifying group. But there's no panic. I think that's the good thing about Bruce coming in is he's an experienced manager, and we have a lot of experienced players, so there's no panic that sets in. We know that every friendly that we play is a chance to get better as a team, but also as individuals, uh, you want to go out on the field and you want to prove that you can be a positive influence on the U.S. team. Certainly against Jamaica, this is the last friendly that we'll play before those big qualifiers. I think every player looks at it as an opportunity to not only get better, but step on the field and prove that they can help the team in any way possible to try to win these upcoming qualifiers. After camp, you're going to return not to your beloved New York Red Bulls, but to the Chicago Fire to whom you've just been traded after five and a half years in New Jersey. You were the heart and soul of this Red Bulls team. You define the culture. You were there when a sloppy self-sabotaging team transformed itself into one that could win the Supporters' Shield. You've never won the MLS Cup in your career, but oh, you brought New York so close. You're now going to Chicago, a team that's in, let's say, rebuilding mode. 
Does it feel like almost being done with a giant Lego castle, only for someone to tell you you've got to start all over again and build a new one? I certainly do feel like I am leaving New York with a little bit of unfinished business. I always talked with the other leaders on the Red Bulls, Luis Robles, Bradley Wright Phillips, Sasha, as a group about how amazing it was going to feel to be part of the first team to win MLS Cup for the New York Red Bulls. And we talked about that a lot. That was a huge goal of ours as a team. That's obviously still a huge goal of theirs now. But for me, you know, the way I looked at it was we had a great team and they still have a great team. But I think when you look at a cycle of a core group of players, I think three years is pretty much the barometer for when you want to judge a core group of guys that have been together. Three years is that time frame where you say, all right, this group can do it or they can't do it. And so obviously with the new regime that came in after Thierry Henry retired, we're two years into that new project. And in my mind, I always thought that before I moved on from the Red Bulls, I would always get at least three years to try to bring that championship to the Red Bulls. And when you find out that you're not going to get that opportunity, it's sad. When I first found out about it, I was very sad. I was upset. I was angry. All of the above, those are all the emotions that you go through. But it's something that's hard to think about, knowing that I won't be a part of that organization anymore, knowing that I won't get the opportunity to bring the first MLS Cup and raise that MLS Cup for those fans. They're unbelievable fan base. They're a loyal fan base. They certainly deserve an MLS Cup. But these are the realities that we face, unfortunately, as soccer players in MLS. When you sign a new contract with a club, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be there to see out that contract. This is where the whole issue of loyalty comes in in football these days. Players can be as loyal as they want to clubs, but then the club looks at it like a business. And then let's say a club commits their future to a player and the player's unhappy. Look at the, the Pyatt situation at West Ham. They force their way out. It's hard to find loyalty in football, I think. And so emotionally, I've tried to move on. I'm looking forward to being a part of the Chicago Fire. I think it's an organization with an unbelievable history and unfortunately that history has been a little bit a little bit more on the losing end these past couple of years it's a team that hasn't made the playoffs for a long time I think it's a team that's kind of gotten complacent and maybe accepted losing a little bit too much and that's one of the things that they're bringing me in for is they know that I'm the type of guy that I haven't been part of a losing team in a long time and let's just say that losing and me we don't go well together I don't enjoy losing so that's certainly something I'm going to try to bring to the Chicago Fire. I'm going to try to change the mentality a little bit. I think some of the moves that the Chicago Fire have made in the offseason, they are some great moves. Bringing in guys like Juninho, guys like Nikolic, guy who played over in Europe and scored goals at the highest level. He seems to be a fantastic addition. And these are the type of players that you want to play with. And certainly the Chicago Fire have a good base the players to build from now. I think it's just about changing the mentality. And so... I'm excited about the new opportunity and the new chapter, but there's still a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth with how everything went down and how everything ended with the Red Bulls. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, you seem to have thrived as a player with a chip on his shoulder. Does this trade just give you a new chip for your shoulder chip collection? Sure. No matter what would have happened, whether I would have been able to leave the Red Bulls on more positive terms, if they would have come to me and said, listen, we're looking to move you for business reasons. Can you help us facilitate your next move? And it would have been a positive outcome. I still would have had a chip on my shoulder. I always feel like I have something to prove. I think as a player, as a professional athlete, when I lose that motivation to prove myself, I think that's when I'll call it a career. 
because I always want to prove to myself that I can still play at the highest level. I want to prove to my family I can play at the highest level. And I want to prove to the fans and to my teammates that I'm a guy that can be counted on and a guy that that's certainly not going to be complacent just collecting a paycheck. I want to be a guy that's remembered for helping teams win and helping clubs have good seasons. And that's something that I'll always take with me. And that there is why I love you, Dax McCarty. But last question. It's a little bit on the dark side, but if you don't play, if you don't play on Friday night, or you struggle for minutes, you'll leave camp feeling what? I'll leave camp feeling like I did everything I could to get on the field, and that while I didn't play as much as I wanted, I was happy for the opportunity to be here because. I'm not the type of player that's ever going to go out and lobby for myself. I want my play to do the talking. So if I get an opportunity to play 90 minutes, if I get an opportunity to play five minutes, I'll just be thankful that I got another cap, a sixth cap. Not many players get the chance to represent their country, and not many players get the chance to represent their country multiple times. So I'll always cherish the minutes that I get on the field representing the U.S., whether that's one minute or 90 minutes. It's not going to change the way I feel about this team. So... We'll see what happens on Friday. I do love watching you play, Dax McCarty, and thousands of our listeners feel the same. Would love little more than to see you thrive in a U.S. jersey late in your career, Kyle Beckerman style. We wish you and your new wife a life of health and happiness, and you and the team, Godspeed. Thanks, Roger. I appreciate it, man.